Welcome everyone. You just have heard from the early introduction to me that uh, I have uh, quite a few communities, sanghas, all over the country, as well as uh, overseas. I travel almost uh, twice each month to somewhere to teach, to express timeless wisdom of Buddha and also my own understanding of uh, Buddhism and also human life. I have the fortune to meet with uh, people from different uh, walks of life, young, old, beginners, as well as also well-seasoned meditators. I must say that uh, many people who come to uh, the meditation retreats and the teachings are not particularly motivated by religious reasons. They're not coming to those events to find out notions of divinity, God, redemption. I'm sure there are few individuals who wanted to explore more those religious notions. The one of the main motives, main reasons for people coming to those events is that they wanted to find uh, uh, wisdom or uh, technique or answer how to deal with the uh, human suffering. Because uh, everybody suffers sometime in their life. And this is uh, quite uh, wonderful in many sense because uh, Buddha said that his entire teaching is uh, all about uh, revealing uh, ways to deal with the human suffering. Periodically we may hear this kind of idea that uh, we can bring uh, about the end of uh, suffering. As a matter of fact, you'll come across many spiritual slogans, spiritual phrases that indicate this uh, state, the end of suffering. 
this can be a little bit misleading because uh, the idea of a bring about end of a suffering can be totally wishful thinking. It may not be possible at all. Not only that there's a sense of a cowardliness, lack of courage, and our desire to completely eradicate the suffering. There's a reason why there's a suffering in this world and also in your world as well, in your human incarnation. This human incarnation comes along with the Lots of pain, lots of suffering. I went to a Buddhist uh, monastery for many years. And uh, the Buddhism teaches that life begins with the pain. Of course, this may sound very pessimistic, sound very sometimes... Uh, quite negative or even depressing attitude. But the truth is that life begins with a pain. There's nothing we can do about it. We should not be sad. We should not be depressed by finding this uh, universal reality that life begins with the pain. So the idea of uh, eradicating suffering is uh, not really very spiritual, it's not very wise. And then you may wonder if there's no way to eradicate suffering, then why are we meditating? What then Buddhism is all about. Or you may wonder, what uh, are you going to talk about? So my understanding is that it's not so much that we should actively seek ways of uh, eradicating suffering, but learn how to more deal with the suffering, to find a, a spiritual meaning in the suffering. So I don't talk so much about uh, eradicating suffering, but more to lessen, to reduce the amount of suffering, which is more possible, more practical as well. Hypothetically, imagine that you are able to get rid of suffering because you learned a magic formula or somebody gave a magic pill. Imagine that somebody walks in front of you. Or imagine that uh, uh, you stamp 
our uh, bottle, you open it, then maybe you're going to meet with the genie. And perhaps the genie will give you this special gift. And that can be the total eradication of suffering. But if we don't know how to suffer, then we won't be human. Imagine that uh, you can love happily rest of your life. And uh, imagine that you're having a bliss each and every moment from this moment on. And then the problem is that you will never be able to learn what it means to be compassionate. You, you do not know how to be human. You may love it as a human, but towards the end of life, then you may realize that you didn't live as a human being. So through opening our heart to the suffering, we began to learn how to be a human, how to be an authentic human being. And so we can learn how to be compassionate, to be courageous. If you don't know how to feel the flavor of suffering, then you would never know how to experience compassion. The compassion is your ability to taste the human sorrow. But if you don't know how to taste your own sorrow, how would you know taste the sorrow of uh, the others. So suffering in that sense can be a great spiritual teaching. There's so much uh, we can learn from suffering. We can learn how to be courageous. There's no reason to be courageous if we don't have suffering at all. Buddha talked about uh, this uh, exalted uh, qualities. He talked about uh, sometimes seven of them. The exalted qualities are the qualities of Buddhas, but also when you look uh, carefully, they're not really qualities of uh, Buddhas as uh, some kind of enlightened being or superhuman being, but they are qualities of an authentic human being. So in the end, we will realize that uh, to be spiritual is all about uh, to become an authentic human being. To be authentic human being is to not be afraid of being a human and to go through all the different stages of a human life. And there's a pain and there's a joy as well.
In Buddhism, there's a this archetype, the Bodhisattva's archetype. Buddha said that the only way that you can be enlightened is by being a Bodhisattva. The truth is that we can all be um, Bodhisattvas. There's even a Bodhisattva's ordination. You can take Bodhisattva's vow, and there are many precepts in the vows regarding the Bodhisattva's vow. The Bodhisattva's vow, the, the most essential Bodhisattva's vow is not to run away from the world. That means not to run away from the difficulties, the challenges, such as the suffering of this human life, but to embrace all the pain and sorrow that life presents. They use this metaphor, which is the lotus blossoming in the mud. And here the lotus symbolizes the heart of Bodhisattva, which is called Bodhicitta, the awakened heart. We can translate Bodhicitta as awakened heart or awakened mind. But that lotus, the lotus of awakened heart, or the awakened mind, blossoms in the mud. Here, mud symbolizes the human life, which is very muddy sometimes. Human life is extremely muddy, not so clean, and not so sometimes easy. It's full of a lot of pain, difficulties. So what I'm trying to say is Buddhism is not about completely eradicating suffering. It's more taking suffering as a, a teaching, spiritual teaching, and making best out of it. And Buddhism also teaches the this way to freedom, which is not about being lost in suffering, not to be completely stuck in suffering. So you can see the subtle difference between embracing the human suffering and being lost in human suffering. So Buddhism never tells us run away from suffering or to reject suffering. It simply teaches not to be lost in suffering. So that means suffering is a natural rhythm of life. There's nothing wrong with the suffering.
how do we get lost in suffering? We get lost in suffering by, as the Buddha stated, getting what we don't want and not getting what we want. Can I have a napkin? That's even better. <laughs> and this sound appears very familiar to everybody. Getting what you don't want, not getting what you want. Of course, we all have lots of wantings and not wantings. You can write down a whole list of not wanting and wantings. It would be interesting if somebody goes around and hand out piece of paper to everybody with a pen and ask everybody to write down the list of wantings and not wantings. And we can come back and compare each other's notes. I'm sure we have a similar wantings. We all want to be healthy. We all want to be happy. And perhaps many of us want to have an early retirement. Or perhaps we all want to go to Hawaii because the weather is getting quite cold. <laughs> and then we have a, perhaps a list of a not wanting that is quite universal. And none of us want to get sick. None of us want to declare bankruptcy. And then we are going to find very mischievous, quite a strange list of wantings and not wantings. Somebody's wanting can be somebody else's not wanting. And it can go other way around. Someone else's not wanting is somebody's wanting. Somebody really wants to get married right now and somebody really doesn't want to get married <laughs> and maybe thinking about going to Burma or Thailand or Nepal to become monk or nun <laughs> because somebody is totally fed up with marriage or fed up with a relationship and somebody is completely taking refuge in a marriage and thinking that the marriage relationship is going to bring all earthly joy and happiness So there's nothing wrong with uh, having just the wantings and not wantings. We all want something, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to reject uh, our desires, our longings, our aspirations. And some of our, our wantings are quite uh, noble, it's quite holy too.
We want a world to peace, nothing wrong with that. We want uh, perhaps justice, equality, harmony on this planet. That's beautiful desire. And perhaps we want a nice place to live, a comfortable clothes to wear, and a healthy food to eat, and love and friendship. There's nothing wrong with those wantings. And we can have um, many lists of not wantings. We don't want war, we don't want illness, we don't want our children to get sick. There's nothing wrong with that. Perhaps none of us want to get sick, there's nothing wrong with that. But the the problem begins when we are completely lost, totally lost in those desires, wanting this and not wanting that. And then and our desires become obsession. And then we sometimes feel that unless I get this, I'm not going to be happy. And sometimes this whole desire, wanting, not wanting, becomes a chain in our consciousness. It becomes like almost spill that we don't know how to break. It uh, frees our heart, it binds our mind, and then we don't know how to just uh, surrender and love enjoy this magic called human life. And then we don't know how to experience spontaneity, joy, love, bliss, because we feel that there is now spill in our consciousness. We feel that we are bound. So then there is the chain of wanting and not wanting, the chain of all the desires, obsessions. So our mind is no longer free. The way we can break that chain or, or that spell in our consciousness is a, and through surrendering to life.
and realizing that life is much more powerful than our will. So you might like to think that life is this powerful river, this uncontrollable river, flowing on its own. And then you are swimming in that river. We are all swimming in that river because we are born in that river. And perhaps you are not able to swim against the river. The more you try to swim against that river, perhaps the more you suffer. The only thing you might be able to do is swim along the, the natural flow of the river, and periodically you may notice the heart, and you are heading towards a big boulder. And so you can perhaps uh, change. You can paddle a little bit, you can move your hands, you can kick your legs, so you are able to maneuver around the boulder, so you'll be safe. This is all you can do when you are swimming in the, this marginal river of a life. But you may not be able to completely turn around and swim against the natural flow of that river. So the hardest uh, lesson to learn is this thing uh, called surrender. I think that's the hardest thing to learn for a human being. I went to monastery, learned many Buddhist teachings, and sometimes we had to memorize uh, and so many pages of text. It wasn't that difficult. Sometimes we had to sit in cross-legged posture for hours, hours. That wasn't very difficult. It's very easy to learn how to be disciplined. It's very easy to memorize the scriptures. It's very easy to be ascetic if you you want to be, it's not so difficult. But the hardest uh, thing for me to learn is uh, surrender. So surrender is the heart of all spiritual teachings. And here I'm not speaking about uh, surrendering into some kind of omnipresent being like God. I'm speaking about uh, surrendering to life itself. And surrendering is maybe what enlightenment is, if there's such thing. Surrendering is a nirvana, if there's such thing. Actually, we can find uh, true happiness only through knowing how to surrender. Until that, there's no true happiness. There's no true freedom. There's only temporary and conditional happiness. 
But uh, this thing called surrender, it's very difficult to learn, but sometimes we may know how to surrender when we are struck by a very unexpected and difficult situations. I met with uh, many people who felt this uh, surrender that I'm speaking about through great loss. Perhaps they lost their job, or they lost their loved ones, or they discovered that they have a terminal illness, and suddenly they know how to surrender. Uh, one time I was teaching in Louisiana, and there was a couple who came to my teachings. Uh, strangely, the husband was uh, from Italy, wife was from Eastern Europe, Estonia. I go to Louisiana once a year, and all this, uh, I had a very small group there, and this couple came to my retreats pretty much every year, and one time the wife left him. And he told me that uh, first he was very sad, and then after a while he felt this uh, great joy, this whole new level of happiness that he never felt. Just like that, sometimes we learn how to surrender through great loss. That does not mean I'm suggesting you to pray for troubles, <laughs> hardships. <laughs> Actually, there is a whole tradition in Tibetan Buddhism that you go to monastery and to invite intentionally hardships, and so you can lose all your tendencies, your tendencies such as a your tendency is to take refuge in the comfort and security. And some of the trainings in Buddhism can sometimes break you down and can challenge you. Of course, uh, you don't have to have a terminal illness, nor we don't have to lose a relationship in order to know how to surrender. And sometimes when you meditate, you feel this beautiful surrender. So, you might like to sometimes just sit and asking this very powerful question. I now suggest everybody to remember this very simple question, but very powerful question. And that is sometimes to sit and ask yourself, what is it that is a resisting to this surrender. But first you have to remember that I told you that surrender is a path. Surrender is a shortcut to the enlightenment. And surrender is a shortcut to the freedom. 
Surrender is a shortcut to the unconditional happiness. That is the truth. Perhaps I would never change my mind about this statement. Sometimes I change my statement and I can be quite good at contradicting myself. But on this, I mean, never change my statement. Surrender is the shortcut to the nirvana. Surrender is the path to the freedom, path to the unconditional happiness. So remember that again and again, and then Remember to ask this question, what is it that is resisting in order to surrender? And just keep asking that question sometimes, wholeheartedly. And as you keep asking this question, you'll lose your fear, you'll lose your desires, your obsessions, you lose naturally whole layers of resistance. In the end, maybe you'll find this very subtle barricade and subtle resistance. Maybe you can call it the ego, maybe that's what ego is. And perhaps uh, finally you'll know how to surrender it. And once you know how to surrender all your fear, all your hope to, to life itself, and then you may experience this uh, very old uh, saying in the Buddhist tradition. 
human body with the Buddha mind. Then your body is of course the human body, but your mind is no longer human mind. Your mind becomes the Buddha mind. So tonight, uh, I didn't teach so much. Uh, I feel more like that we all come here together to learn how to surrender. And once you know how to do it, then you can go around and tell everybody, I know Buddhism now. Or you can even say, I know everything now about the Buddhism. You can say, I know Buddhism as a Buddha knows. This won't be very logical, perhaps. Uh, uh, if you tell that some of those uh, well-educated Buddhists, they may not agree with you, then they will ask you, do you know four of this and five of this? And perhaps you don't know how to recite those categories, those Buddhist categories. But the truth is that you know what Buddhism is finally. And perhaps then you know what Hinduism is. And then you'll know how, what Sufism is too. The surrendering can just happen right away. It can happen in this very moment, or it can happen in the next moment. Thank you everyone's receptivity. Thank you for being here tonight. Uh, uh, we'll uh, end this, uh, uh, this evening with a dedication prayer and also a mantra. And last time when I came here, if I'm correct, James told me I can sing a mantra. I uh, will uh, sing a mantra after the dedication prayer. Uh, do you have a dedication prayer that you like to lead?
Now I would like to invite all of you to chant a, a mantra, Pranjana Pramita Mantra, Um Gate Gate, Parangate, Parasam Gate, Bodhisvaha. Uh... 
Once again, thank everybody. It's uh, nice to be back here. Uh, James Barris is uh, one of my best uh, friends. We got to know each other maybe four or five years ago, could be even longer than that. Uh, our French has been blossoming over the years. He's a wonderful human being, a great Dharma teacher, a wonderful person to know and to become friend with. And you're all lucky to have this uh, community here and to have him as a guide, as a Dharma teacher. I feel very much honored uh, and to be here tonight and to express uh, my understanding of uh, the Dharma. I offer my prayers to all of you. May you have uh, many transformations. May you have uh, good health, longevity, and uh, uh, last wish is a happy holiday. <laughs> the Christmas is uh, pretty much around the corner. And thank, thank you for your presence. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.